Well, the resurrection, which is what we're celebrating this morning, is pretty much everything to Christians. Uh, if there was no resurrection, Jesus would just have been a, a kind of a weird teacher, not even a great teacher. He'd be kind of weird. He, he spoke in parables, uh, but for sure he did all the miracles, and so we'd kind of be wondering about that. But when they nailed him to the cross, which is the service we went over on uh, Friday evening, when they nailed him to the cross, the disciples and all those who were following him thought it was over. As a matter of fact, Jesus, even from the cross, said it's finished. And so for us, this Sunday morning in particular, for those who are followers of Jesus Christ, this is everything. This is, this is the power of God unto salvation. And so uh, when I begin to kind of tell this story and talk about the things of God and how we come to God on our own terms and how God would want us to come to him, you might sense the very spirit of God working in your heart. And maybe you've been, a, maybe you're just kind of a, like seeking and wondering and this is the third stop of religions on your, on your kind of journey to figure out what's going on. And, and maybe today you might go, oh, I get it. It, it. it might click for you this morning. If that's the case during this service, at the end, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to that. And so as you're listening to me and we're kind of have some scriptures up there, be listening to God and see if he might be talking to you through his word and through the power of his Holy Spirit. Um, my sister lives in Redlands and uh, Redlands is in the Inland Empire and her house... Uh, I, have a, I have a picture of it, actually. It's kind of hard to see, but you see all those houses uh, around there. They look like normal houses. She's surrounded by two cul-de-sacs. And I drew a white box around her property. I call it the compound because it's surrounded by this giant chain-link fence. And, um, and, and it's just like it takes up, you know, you could see kind of a third of that block there. And on her property are all these really mature, wonderful fruit trees. She's got avocados, which I just found out is a fruit, I guess. <laughs> the nastiest fruit you'll ever have. But uh, she's got avocados. She's got um, a bunch of citrus trees. And they work really hard on this land. They have a big garden. And they, they work to get rid of the pests. They work to, to pull the avocados and all that kind of stuff down and they spend a lot of money on water. They just really take great care of their property or the compound, if you will. And what they do is, uh, again, around the property is this big chain link fence and the first person in the family, the last person in the family to leave the property closes this big uh, chain link fence so that everyone knows in the family that nobody's home, okay? So my sister... They, was the last one to leave and she let, closed the gate and uh, she was the first one to get back but the gate was open and nobody was supposed to be there and so she went to go drive into uh, her property and blocking her driveway were two bicycles that were sitting kind of if you look uh, at the bottom there that's a sidewalk they were sitting just on the other side of the sidewalk so she had to go and park kind of on the sidewalk and she looked in and she saw a couple people a man and a woman kind of scurrying around her property so she stopped there and she rolled down the window and she was trying to get a better look to see if she knew who they were she was profiling essentially right and she's trying to figure out are they old they young like well, what's the whole deal who are do I know them do I not know them and she sees a woman with one of her fruit picker poles trying to get at 
some of the fruit. And so she, she rolls down her window and she says, excuse me. And the lady turned, has the fruit picking pole. Now, you have to understand my sister. My sister has this kind of prophetic air about her. She, she expects in every situation that God may actually speak to her. Anyway, uh, so, so when she comes into a situation like this, she's unlike me where I'm like, get off my lawn, you know, right? It, she, she wants to see a maybe. God wants to speak in a situation. And so what she does is she remains silent. So she says, can I help you? And the lady turned and went through seven justifications to while she was there. And my sister didn't respond to any of them. The first one went like this. I call it the college try. She says like this, I knocked. I knocked, but nobody answered. I I did. I knocked on the door. And I was going to ask, but nobody came to the door. The college tried. I did my best. But there was a sign. I looked for a sign. Didn't see a sign. Right? We do this all the time. This is a, a, a justification for us. So in other words, if I come to your house and I knock and you're not there, everything's free for the taking pretty much. As far as that's the college try. Okay? Then she says, um, uh, my husband's sick. I call this the Florence Nightingale. And what you do is you take someone else's like horrible situation and then you try and get, you know, it's like, oh, you should feel bad for me. My second uncle's cousin, uh, you know, has leukemia. Like, it's called the Florence Nightingale. And so my sister, she's not, she's like stone cold Steve Austin, isn't saying anything, isn't doing anything. She just sits there, okay? So, um, then she says, uh, oh, let me get back there. Sorry. Can you push that back? Sorry. We're not ready. Yet. There we go. Cool. Uh, so then she says, um, the lady says, oh, uh, don't worry. I give a lot of these away. I call that the Robin Hood. You, you rob from someone and then you, 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 you give it to someone else. You might do this when you cheat on your taxes. You think to yourself, well, look, you know, they, they got plenty of money. I get the money. I do a lot of good stuff with the money, way more than the government does. That's called the, the Robin Hood. So she does that. Then she says, um, uh, the, I call it the wimpy. I'm go- I was going to pay you for this. I- I'd gladly pay you Tuesday for an avocado today, right? That I, it's the wimpy. Like, like we go in, we're, we're, in our minds we say, oh, we're going to make it right eventually. But for now, we're going to be caught with a, a, a fruit picker in our, in our hands. And then she does what I call the Mr. Rogers. And uh, that's, she says, and again, my sister has not said a word. She's just sitting there letting the lady, well, suffer, really, if you think about it. Uh, see, she does the um, Mr. Rogers where she says, oh, I'm your neighbor. I, I, just, I just live a couple blocks away. Oh, cool. Redlands. There's 70,000 people in Redlands. They're all just neighbors. They just go to each other's house. It's like Redlands is like the coolest place to live. You walk it out. I'm just borrowing your lawnmower for a while. I'll bring it right back. Like I call it the, the, the Mr. Rogers. And then uh, she does the um, Eddie Haskell. And she says, your fruit is the best fruit. <laughs> Which means she's stolen it before, all right? <laughs> okay. So, I mean, okay. So, so the, the ladies found it. And then... Then she does, uh, my sister's just like shaking her head, and she does, uh, 
She says, I'm a Christian, which I call the insanity plea. Uh, I could say that because I'm a pastor, okay, right? I can make fun of us. And, and by the way, if you, if you attend church here and, and you get caught stealing fruit, you're Hindu, okay? <laughs> don't, don't say you're a Christian. I mean, for crying out loud. Okay, so anyway, this is the Hindu, Hindu joke. She goes through this whole thing, and my sister's kind of letting her suffer, and she's just kind of listening, God, what, what, do you, what do you want me to do? What, what, what should I do? What, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to give her the fruit? You want me to go, uh, go pick her some fruit? Like, what do you want me to do? And she doesn't hear anything, so she just says, can you get off my property? <laughs> and the lady says, I'm doing something wrong, aren't I? <laughs> and she said, yeah, you kind of are. Stealing people's food would be, would be in the wrong category. So the lady says, can you go pick some for me? And my sister said, no, I'm not going to go pick any for you. She said, oh, can I come back tomorrow? My sister said, no, you can't come back tomorrow. She said, well, when can I come back? And so my sister's just kind of like listening, listening, and she thought, you know what, I, she said, why don't you come back in two weeks? And we'll just talk about kind of what, what the good process for getting some of my fruit into your refrigerator is. So we listen to a story like that, and we think, it's her property, it's her trees, it's her fruit. Whatever term she sets up seem logical, as long as it's not like an electrified fence and, you know, snipers in the corners. I mean, it is the compound, so it might eventually have that. I don't know. But, 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 you know, we listen to that and we say to ourselves, yeah, that's not right. And you might have been saying something like, oh, the gall of that woman or, you know, what confidence she has in herself. And the man that was with her, you know, it's typical. You know, the, the dude's just sitting there, Duh. until it came to the part where it's a Christian and he goes, I'm a Christian too. It's like, oh gosh. You know, like my sister never said anything about being a follower of Jesus. So they, they felt comfortable just bl- blabbing that. Uh, and, and, and so we, we sit there and we kind of think, well, maybe, it's there, maybe there's something wrong with them. You know, my sister's like, yeah, they were dressed nicer than I was dressed. Like trying to figure out, the way. we're trying to come to a thing. What in the world was going on there? Why would you feel comfortable going onto somebody else's property? Now, I did this when I, was a, when I was like 11 and 12, we'd steal pomegranates. But once we got caught, we were high. I mean, we were like over the fence and on our way out. Oh, and we were 11, okay? But, but for us, we, we hear something like this and we think to ourselves, man, what, what's going on? Let me tell you something. I do this all the time to my heavenly father. There are certain things in the Bible, certain things that God promises, certain things that we as kind of humans long for in our hearts, certain, if you will, fruit that God has for us, that he's promised for us, and we want it on our own terms. We try to find meaning and purpose and happiness and answers to scurvy, right, on our own terms. And God who kind of owns the planet, who created us, owns us, has the whole kind of salvation thing down, comes back to us on our own terms, on his own terms, because we're his, 
because it's his. And time after time, at least I find for myself, when I find myself in trouble, taking a bite of what I think is going to be awesome and it turns out to be mealy and nasty and rotten, if I were honest with myself and I look back, I go, you know what? I tried to get this on terms that were not set out by my heavenly father. There was a, a man, a Pharisee, in the Bible, who came to Jesus kind of on his own terms. Now, just to give you an idea of what was going on back in the day, there was a group called the Pharisees. They studied the law of Moses a lot. They memorized the first five books of the Bible. And when Jesus came on the scene, they were calling Jesus rabbi, and this upset the Pharisees a lot. Because they were rabbi, they understood the law, they were the path through God, and they were rich, and they were powerful, and they had a great life going. So when Jesus came and started feeding the poor and taking care of the masses, and he came and is one that taught with authority, it upset them. But there was a group of Pharisees, namely two, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea who began to watch Jesus and began to think, there is no way that guy's from Satan. Like the things he does and the things he says, there's no way. And so early in John chapter three and later in the book of John, and, and if you're new to the Bible, I would really encourage you, read the book of John and get the heart of Jesus. But, but early in the book of John, we begin to see this guy, Nicodemus, it starts clicking with him. Like, man, I gotta find out whether or not he's the guy or not. And so what he does is he goes to Jesus at night. Okay, and here's what he says. He came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. Now, who is he talking about when he says we? Not the Pharisees. This group of people, there's a small group of Pharisees that are beginning to believe in Jesus who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God we're not with them. In other words, there's something about Jesus that they saw where they thought, they went through the whole Bible and they're like, okay, could this guy be the one? I mean, part of the problem was he was Jesus from Galilee. He was a Galilean and they were hung up on the fact that he should have been born in the city of David, which is Bethlehem, which he was, but Jesus didn't wear like a, you know, I'm from Bethlehem. You know, he didn't have like a Bethlehem Red Sox t-shirt or whatever. I mean, you wouldn't have known this. He was Jesus from Galilee. He was called a Nazarene. And so they were hung up on, on that particular thing. They find out later that that's exactly where he was born. But there's something about these miraculous signs, okay? Now listen to what he says. He doesn't ask a question. He doesn't set anything up. He's just coming to Jesus on his terms. Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were with him. If you were Jesus, you'd say, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I didn't know if anyone noticed that I was raising people from the dead and healing lepers, but thanks a lot. This is not how Jesus operates. Jesus' first and primary thing is to get you on his terms first. He does this all the time. He's not playing our games the rich man said, hey, what do I need to do to, to, to enter the kingdom of God? He's like, sell everything. Give it to the poor and follow me. Uh, no, we're doing it on my terms. Now watch what Jesus says. It's just so fascinating. He says, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Wait, but Nicodemus didn't ask that question and he wasn't even talking about that. 
Jesus is going, look, I know where you're going. Jesus fortunately had the ability to see the hearts of men. He knows where he's going. And he says, listen, you ain't going to see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Now, over the centuries, we've taken that term born again and we've packaged it and we've Christianized it and we've made it kind of a label. Have you been born again? I was born again. And a, a lot of us have lost the richness. This was a great term for Jesus to use. Now it's just born again Bob and born again Betty. It was as shocking to Nicodemus as it would be to you or I if we'd never heard this before. Born again. Wait, he says, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Nicodemus says exactly what we'd expect him to say. How can a man be born again when he's old? Nicodemus asked, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. That would be impossible and disgusting. Okay, it's like, it's, see, Nicodemus is coming from, this is exactly where Jesus is. Nicodemus couldn't have responded better because Jesus is going, awesome. You're thinking in human terms and that's the problem. You've got a pole picker in your hand and you're like, I knocked. I'm going to give it to my friends. My husband's sick. I have a neighbor, right? You, you go through the whole thing. And God's going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, wow, great. I prayed and prayed and prayed, but nothing. Uh-huh, right? Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. You're thinking on the wrong level. You're thinking in the flesh, in the physical What Nicodemus wanted was Jesus to ride in on a horse to wipe out the Romans and to give Israel the promised land that they were promised all the way back in Exodus, the book that Nicodemus had himself memorized. He wanted him to come in. Are you the king? What he wants to know is, are you the king who's going to come in and finally restore Israel? And Jesus says, you want to see the kingdom? You want the promised land? You want to be God's chosen people? You must be born again. And Nicodemus is like, I must be born again. Then, then you'll take care of the Romans. And then you, right? He doesn't, he doesn't get it. So Jesus goes on. Okay. And again, he uses this term. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water, which is what Nicodemus is talking about. You got to be born first to be someone. And, and now Jesus introduces a whole new concept, a whole new set of terms for talking about God. Well, not new. And you must be born of spirit. There needs to be a birthing, a rebirthing of your soul is what Jesus is saying. These are the terms and conditions of entering into the kingdom and receiving the things that God has promised for those who belong there. Jesus enters into this new, and I want just in the back of your mind to keep this word spirit in the back of your mind because these are the terms and these are the kind of word pictures that Jesus is talking about. Okay, and he goes on, he kind of of gives a little thing to it. Flesh gives birth to flesh. That's what you're talking about, Nicodemus. That's what we talk about. I mean, honestly, when we're honest with ourselves and we say, man, I just want a good life, what are we talking about? A pretty good job, nice house, the family's not too crazy. And, you know, we kind of make it through. We retire and everything's good and maybe we go on a nice vacation in retirement. Maybe we play golf a couple times a week and then we die and, and that's it. And Jesus says, those are not the terms 
I have, I want anything to do with. It's not our life with a splash of Jesus just to kind of give us the flavor that we want. Jesus says, I want you to be born again. I want your soul bursting forth. I want all the stuff that's miring you down, all that fleshly stuff moved away. And I want you to become like a baby in God. So he says, flesh gives birth to flesh. But the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, at my saying, you must be born again. Now Nicodemus asked the question we're all asked, how can this be? How, how do you, to, to Nicodemus, this is an entirely new concept. Born of the Spirit? I mean, I'm, I'm a Pharisee. I'm God's cho- chosen child. Like, I, I was born into this. In other words, my flesh, when I was born in the flesh, I was one of God's chosen people. And Jesus says, new terms and conditions now. And Nicodemus says, how, 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 how does this happen? It's a great question. It's a question for all of us. And oftentimes we find ourselves on our own terms and conditions trying to go, oh, I know how it is. You lead a good life. That's how. That's how you're born of the Spirit. Mm-mm. And it's not living a good life. Well, I know you go to church. You call yourself a Christian. You do this. You, know, you love people. You're accepting. Jesus goes on and he defines it so Clearly, there's no mistaking it. What does it mean to be born again? Is it just a bumper sticker? Is it just a fraternity we're involved in? Is it just kind of coming to church? Nicodemus says, how can this be? And then Jesus kind of jabs him a little bit, like my sister did with the lady, just making him uncomfortable. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? (laughs) Come on, dude. You memorize the first five books of the Bible. What? You can't? I mean, the idea of spirit isn't new to Nicodemus. Their whole thing that they said every day, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus is starting to redefine these terms of spirit, of like all of a sudden you're starting to get this idea, born again. You mean I could begin a new life? How can this be? So Jesus kind of razzes him for a little bit, says, I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you don't believe. How then are you going to believe if I speak of heavenly things? And then Jesus says something that would have made Nicodemus very uncomfortable. Because Jesus would have started to define himself with, with God Almighty. He says this, No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. This isn't the first time Nicodemus would have heard that term, Son of Man. And now all of a sudden, the question Nicodemus wanted to ask way, way back in the beginning of, hey, are you really the one? Jesus is saying, yeah, I'm the one, but it ain't anything like you thought it was going to be. There's a kingdom that's coming, but it's not going to have anything to do with the Romans. As a matter of fact, 70 years later, they destroyed the temple. I mean, mean, it's not going to be like that, Nicodemus. So he says, no one's ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the son of man. As Nicodemus begins to squirm and go, ah, I don't know. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you. You talk about spiritual things and, you know, you're, you're pretty open. And, and, and then all of a sudden people start bringing up terms and you're like, yeah. Terms like sin, terms like eternity, 
terms like hell and heaven. And it's like, ah, I'm not ready to kind of go that far. And then Jesus gives the best word picture that he could possibly give to Nicodemus, to someone like Nicodemus. And he says, and to us this may be confusing, but he says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the son of man must be lifted up. So that everyone who believes in him, here it is, may have eternal life. Now, here's what would have happened to Nicodemus. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, that was the one when the snakes came, right? See, what had happened was the people of Israel had come out of uh, Egypt and they were jamming around and they were grumbling and complaining. It was just a typical, it was like the Senate, okay? They come out, Congress comes out, and they're all there, and they can't agree on anything, and they're hungry, and they're thirsty, and all this kind of stuff. They start grumbling against Moses. They start saying, we're gonna, you brought us out here to die. And so God's like, well, let's see how you like the snakes. Um, and so some snakes come and start biting people, and they're going to die. And so God tells Moses to lift up this snake on a pole, this bronze snake. And anyone who looks on that snake all of a sudden will be fine. So in other words, the only reason, the only way you could die from a snake bite was not to look at the pole. Not to look at the snake up on the pole. It's like the easiest, anyone can do it at any time. Just look at the snake on the pole. And people still died. See, Nicodemus knew this story. And, and when you go several chapters later about... 15 chapters later, Nicodemus, who we know is still around, still a follower, has kind of figured things out. When he watched Jesus be lifted up on that cross, I'll bet you there was something that clicked in his mind. That's what you're talking about. Just as Moses lifted up that snake, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. So that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And then Jesus says the most famous verse ever in the history. If you've ever been to a sporting event, you've seen it referenced, okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Nicodemus came to him and was like, I gotta find out if this guy's the one. And Jesus says, you can come and find out if I'm the one, but you're gonna have to come on my terms. Because at the end of this conversation, I'm gonna show you that you have a heavenly father, in fact, that you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. There is a land flowing with milk and honey, but it's not set on this earth. It's called the kingdom of heaven. And oftentimes I find myself, and you might find yourself, going to God on our own terms, trying to get our kingdom advanced, trying to have the things of our kingdom moving forward. And God says, no, you're not going to do that. And then Jesus goes on, listen to this, after this, he says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This isn't just a bunch of laws and rules. God 
wants to have a relationship with you. God wants you to be born again. God wants you to be able to have the life Aaliyah was talking about. This freedom in him to not have to worry about the retirement and the kids and all that. He's got all that under control. And over the next five weeks, we're going to do a series called Heart Disease, where we talk about the five things that weigh our hearts down. Anxiety, bitterness, uh, greed, these things that, that, that just kind of weigh us down. We're going to talk about what the Bible has to say, that, that, the, that the, the things of the Spirit of God can burst forth in your life. You know, God has fruit. I don't know if you knew this, but like my sister's house, God has fruit. And it's called the fruit of the Spirit, and it's unlike anything you've experienced before. And we try to get imitation fruit for us to get these types of things, but it only comes truly. The best fruit comes from God. It's love, right? Joy, peace, I mean, think about those things. Love, joy, peace. I mean, if we think about those things on kind of a fleshly level, we go, yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking for. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you look at the verse kind of the way it is, it's, but the fruit of the Spirit. Now, how do we get that Spirit? We have to be born of the Spirit. We need to be born again. The fruit of the Spirit, the things we want, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, listen to this. Against such things, there is no law. You can walk onto the property at any time with your pole picker, his pole picker, whatever you call it, and just start grabbing fruit. It's right there. But the terms are, we must be born again. Those are the terms. As a matter of fact, Jesus later on made the terms extremely clear to us. He said this. It's, I don't know if it's on there. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus says that in his own words. Those are the terms and conditions of the fruit of the Spirit. And, and oftentimes, as David comes back up and leads us in a song, a lot, oftentimes that is our problem. We stand there and, we, and, we, and we, we try to negotiate with God on terms that he's just not interested in. I'm a good person, generally. My, one of my favorites. I haven't killed anybody. <laughs> that, that's great. Keep it up. Awesome. You know, I, I, I generally think that God is love. I think at, in the end, everything's going to work out. It's fine, except those are not the terms and conditions that God has established. And the resurrection, the resurrection is Christ's seal of, I know what I'm talking about. I can conquer sin and death. In the Galatians, before this fruit of the Spirit, it starts with this other thing. The deeds of the flesh, like we talked about, that's self-evident. Oh, selfishness and envious, enviness and envy. All that kind of stuff. All the stuff you don't want. But the fruit of the Spirit, that's what you want. Let me ask you a question. Have you been trying to eat imitation fruit have you been struggling and searching and maybe you're trying after relationship, after relationship, after relationship, after relationship? Is it 
Is it just, okay, once I get my next promotion, once I get my next promotion, and you're just going and going and going, are are you in a place in your life, like I've been, where you're just like, I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. Your heavenly Father loves you. He's prepared a kingdom. He's prepared this fruit. He's prepared it all. But it comes at the cost of coming to him on his terms because it's all his. And maybe this morning for the very first time in your life, you're ready to go, you know what? I, I'm ready to come to him on his terms. Just like the pole being lifted up in the desert with Moses, it's so, this is what makes his terms and conditions so fair. It's free to everyone. But it's going to cost a lot. It's going to cost you giving up your life to follow Jesus. And there might be some things you're going to have to turn from. And there might be some things you're going to have to pick up that maybe you never even thought of before. But I always marvel and just am so joyful at the people at this church and other churches I've attended where they look back and they go, how did I ever live without Jesus? Maybe the Spirit of God has been moving on your heart. Here's what I want to do for us. I would like us all to bow our heads. I remember in the beginning when I said maybe the Spirit of God would move on your heart and maybe for the first time in your life or maybe you've made a commitment to God before and you're like, you know what? This is it. I'm done. I'm done trying with my own life. I'm ready to turn from my sin. I'm ready to go and do it the way it's supposed to be done on God's terms and conditions. If that's you, and you're ready to make that, commission, uh, that decision, I would like to lead you in a prayer. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for providing a way to enter your kingdom. And thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. I received that sacrifice. Please forgive me of my sins and help me to make you ruler and king of my life. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 